Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tempo Talks. I might sound a little down right now, and, you know, it's it's a tough time in the ultra trail running world, uh, hearing about the tragedy in China that happened uh, just a few days ago. So um, Aaron and I just want to uh, commemorate those 21 people um, that so tragically lost their lives out there uh, in the 100-kilometer trail race. And just do a moment of remembrance. Um, I think it's, you know, people just want to go out and enjoy their lives and have fun and push their limits. And it is so heartbreaking uh, to see that loss of life and know, you know, what their families and friends must be going through over there. So we want to kick this episode off with a 21-second moment of silence to honor them. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in that moment of silence. And, um, yeah, our hearts go out to the folks in China, the family members, the trail community, the friends. Um, yeah, it's just it's so hard to put into words exactly how this makes you feel. And I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I feel like when something tragic happens uh, in this community, I think back to the the ultra run uh, the ultra runner here that was killed uh in a hit and run just a, a few weeks ago here in Texas and um, and even the member of trail racing over Texas over uh, one of the races uh, passed away in a recent race from like heat exhaustion and I think a heart attack anytime something unexpected happens in our community it's just you don't really even if you've never met the people even if you're it's not even your our country that we live in it's just so heartbreaking to know that these people were crushing goals uh going through the most extenuating circumstances before the weather rolled in and really just pushing themselves to their limits and uh and they're they're heroes you know they're heroes to all their friends all their family um all the people that looked up to them for the hard things that they did as runners um you know, I, I think to my friends, you know, that I share miles with here in San Antonio, and, and I just never want to take it for granted, the community that we have, the close bond that we have, um, and uh, and the people that are with us, because you never know when tragedy could strike like this. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, to grapple with, really. Hug your family, hug your friends, tell them you love them. Um, you know, there's things that come along in our lives that remind us uh, of how precious time really is. And this was one of them. I remember when I first saw the news of this, um, I got really emotional and I had to go chat with my wife about it for about 15 minutes. Um, just, you know, it, ma- it made her question like, hey, like if you ever got into a situation like that or, you know, if you were having a heat stroke at Western States, like what would you do? And it honestly, it terrified me a little bit. I would yeah. never want that to happen to my family um Mm -hmm. and man i just feel again so heartbroken for um everybody who lost loved ones out there and you know what this really called to mind for me is the boston marathon uh back in was it 2013 right Mm -hmm. yeah uh and we saw sweeping changes across the road racing industry after 
the bombing at the Boston Marathon. Um, I'm trying to remember. It, I don't think it killed 21 people, um, but still did a lot of damage, killed a few people, and the psyche yeah. um, of runners out there, just like, are we safe at big events like this? Right. So <clears throat> I hope there's ultra runners out there and race directors who can look at this and, you know, once a full report comes out of what actually went down out there, um, that we can make changes to help all of us stay safer, you know? Absolutely. And there's already, you know, a lot of races do have re- required equipment, but maybe that resu- this results in actual, like, stringent equipment checks going into races. Um, I know a lot of ultras do, like, weight checks, and, like, they'll have a doctor taking, you know, vitals and stuff at aid stations, so maybe we see a little bit more of that. Um, but, again, taking it back to Boston... Um, as everyone well, well remembers, Meb Gaflesky coming out the next year, yeah. winning it, lighting the hearts and minds on fire of Americans and just runners across the world with right. his resounding victory and run in remembrance um, of what happened. And I feel like some of that will happen as a result of this too. But again, nothing nothing will ever replace the loss of those loved ones yeah. for sure. Absolutely. So again, our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers go out to uh, all the family members and uh, friends of those folks. And um, yeah, we uh, we're thinking of of uh, China and of the ultra running community there. So. So thanks so much for joining us uh, for this episode today. Uh, As it's already been said, my name is Aaron. And I am Ryan. (laughs) And we, uh, we're excited to be back for another episode. It's been two weeks since our last one. Uh, life has been busy, to say the least. Uh, Ryan is in the middle of, uh, yeah, you're in the middle of Western States training and preparation and currently sitting in an airport, right, to go to the training <laughs> camp? I'm at the Houston Hobby Airport. Uh, I made a connection from San Antonio to Houston, flying to Sacramento, rental car to Auburn, California, and then I will be on the trail at Western States the next three days. Nice. So really excited about that. But yeah, if you hear any background noise, it's because <laughs> there's a lot going on around me. People boarding flights, announcements. Uh, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I'm not going to miss my flight during this recording, but I'm keeping an eye on my gate across the way here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we're, uh, we're both in uh yeah both in very busy seasons i started a new job which is kind of why we didn't uh have an episode last weekend uh my schedule and time has just been significantly different the last few weeks but we are uh committed to keeping the podcast going and things are are loosening up a little bit for me so that i have a little more flexibility but those first few weeks were pretty tough but um i'm excited because i'm actually back to running again um woohoo yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you've been following along, you know that I've been struggling with injury since bef- really before the Woodlands Marathon, but it all, all kind of culminated in uh, a meltdown at the Woodlands Marathon on March 6th. And since then, I've probably only ran about 100 miles since then, but, you know, 45, 50 of that has been in the last two weeks um, because last week I was actually able to have a proper uh a proper week, you know, a 30 mile week and a little bit of a long run at the end. So I'm excited to be back out. I don't, I know you've kind of struggled a little bit too, Ryan, with some injury here and there. And it's different when you're having to sit out while, I, especially while all your friends are running and fun stuff is going on, races that pump you up uh, uh, are happening and you can't go out and run off that adrenaline. <laughs> 
I think that is called FOMO, fear of missing out. Right. Or <laughs> I don't know, is there a word for like when you actually are missing out and it's not fear, but it's real? <laughs> we need I to create just, a word for that. I think it's just called missing out. <laughs> <laughs> mo all right uh i definitely felt that after bandera for about two and a half months there but aaron did you ever get diagnosed with what you were actually dealing with in the shin you're gonna be mad at me but no i didn't <laughs> so so here's what happened like so i was having this shin stuff i went to our our trusty buddy dale uh, Londos, who, uh, you know, very well and a former podcast guest. And he worked on me right before the woodlands. And we hit this spot right on my shin that really just got lit up. And it was like a week and a half out. And when he hit it, I, it just like, I winced and kind of, you know, got out of, uh, we realized that there was something there, you know, uh, that needed attention. And so we just kind of uh, were gentle around it, uh, getting through the race. And then I really started prioritizing it. So I did go to a physical therapist once and, um, basically, I mean, talking with the physical therapist and talking with my coach, Hayden Hawks, they, you know, they were in agreement separately that it was shin splints just intense shin splints and I hadn't had shin splints before I felt like such a newbie you know like but I think back to a lot of the things that I've done in the last several months that maybe weren't as smart as we've talked about before on this podcast and so uh and so I I realized that I you know I probably didn't do the smartest things and because of that I I suffered uh shin splints I was worried that it was in stress fracture territory I did not go get an MRI strictly just honestly because of the how much it was going to cost me but um I just took my time resting uh I don't think I've said it on the podcast but my friends know you know I got selected for Chicago Marathon so that's in October and I really um you know just wanted to take my time with recovery even though it's you know stinks not to run and just bounce back the best I could and not try to rush it back. And so I did that. I, you know, I ran here and there. I think I took like three straight weeks off and then a couple weeks of just like less than 10 miles, you know, just like two or three runs at a, at a time. Um, but now I'm happy to say I ran this morning, eight miles, um, out on the trails. My cardio is struggling, but my leg is 100%. So I am officially, 100% back to normal, no pain on the runs. So I'm excited about that. Oh, I am so happy to hear that. There is nothing like running when right. you are actually healthy. And then running kind of sucks, honestly, <laughs> when you're hurting. Yeah. Uh, I can attest to that. I mean, there's varying levels of it, right? From like just like small niggles, things that feel tight, to like a legit injury or bone break where you should for sure stop. Right. But Aaron, Aaron I want to ask you what – what kind of like mental and emotional battle and strain did you go through throughout this injury? And are you still feeling any remnants of that as you come back? Yeah, honestly. So it's been twofold. Uh, I did have, you know, a struggle. So everyone that's ran like a race, a goal race probably understands that there's, there can be like, I, I hate using, I'm careful to use the word depression, but, I've heard other people ex uh, express it as like a post-race depression or a post-race slump or low. I'm sure you are familiar. Like you come off of a super high, like winning Bandera, then kind of falling back down to 
you know, just to normal ins and outs of, uh, of training, it, it, it's a roller coaster ride emotionally without injury. So then when you take away like your normal training, your normal mental health stuff. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, keep in mind too, like I, I ran the woodlands and then I almost immediately switched jobs. So I had a lot of stress at the end of my time at my previous employer, like a ton of stress built up over several months, but that all culminated right there at giving my notice and having to work out two weeks, you know, <laughs> and then, and then starting a new job and the uncertainty of that and like the unknown, uh, there was a lot of stress around that time. And, you know, cause we've talked offline about it, but, um, I, it, it was, I, I'm still kind of feeling the effects of it. Although now that I'm feeling well again and back to kind of normal running, just not at the mileage I was at before, um, I'm, I'm starting to feel better, but there were some times where I was like cranky kind of low, you know, kind of like, uh, maybe a little quick to get frustrated with my kids or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so, um, you know, I value that energy. Now what it did do, I'll be honest, is it put some things into perspective, uh, namely that running while I love it, uh, it is not everything to me, you know? Um, and I'm okay. I'm, I'm, completely fine admitting that like there are things that are more important that I need to prioritize my family my time you know my um, for me my faith you know and, and things like that so it, it was also the it was also a little bit of an eye-opener at the same time uh, but I do feel very privileged and blessed to be able to be running again healthy and I do value it very much and I feel like I have a healthier relationship with it right now than I did even three or four months ago I, I don't know if that makes sense but no, that makes total sense. Uh, I think I've heard the term like situational depression thrown out as yeah. opposed to, or anxiety I'm not, I'm, I am not like a psychologist, psychiatrist. So take, take what I say there with a grain of salt, <laughs> but, uh, brought on by some particular situation in your life. Um, mm-hmm. so I too have felt that quite a few times. And yeah, after Bandera riding that high, uh, as you mentioned on my side and then going into an injury and just not even be able to run that sucks. Uh, yeah. and you do, you do feel antsy. You feel a lot more stress mentally, just that like you're missing out. Like you need to get going. You need to train, you need to work towards that next goal. Right. Um, but whatever you have in your life outside of running that you can plug yourself into, like for you, um, church drum lessons, uh, family for me, family coaching, uh, yeah. Well, that's and Settlers of Catan. <laughs> I love playing Settlers of Catan. So do a little bit more of that too. Dude, but how have we not it, played that before? <laughs> I don't know. We, gotta, we, we need to. We got to have a game night because I love that game. <laughs> <laughs> it is good. Nice. But uh, I'm glad we've both made it out of it and we're both training in a healthy way now. Yeah. And, and it, to go back to what you were just talking about, like, you know, uh, it's relevant too that this month is like mental health awareness month. In fact, last weekend we had a local runner and former podcast guest, uh, Courtney Rouse organize a, uh, blue jean mile. Um, uh, and we had a bunch of people come out, but it reminded me that I've been through some tough times. This is one of the reasons I value my coach so much because, you know, I've, I've lost my mom. I've been through some, tough times. And so, uh, it's, it's so important whether it's situational because of the fact that you're going through some difficult teams, uh, things, and you're feeling 
low and, you know, uh, anxious or even depressed or, you know, just sad in general, it's so important to reach out and it's important to have, you know, an outlet like running, uh, to kind of clear your mind, but it's also important to reach out to your friends, to your family, whether I, I posted this on social media, whether you're one that's looking to help someone or whether you need the help, it's so important to reach out because, um, you know, we all go through difficult times, injury, sadness, lows after races, highs after races, um, and we need each other. You know, it's relevant to the conversation in, in light of what happened in China as well, you know. So, um, but there's a lot of great things coming, uh, and one of which is you're on your way to California. So tell me about what you're expecting to happen out there. You're going to, I think you're probably going to see my coach out there, Hayden. And uh, I know Matt Daniels is going to be out there. Are you excited about going out and, and training with some uh, some elites on the on the course? Aaron, I don't think I've even like run with somebody in like a couple months. It's been a long solo journey for yeah. me in San Antonio, just doing a lot of trail running, physical therapy, getting healthy again. So I think I'm just most excited to be around people. But probably the most interesting aspect of going up there is I don't think I've ever met in person anyone who's going to be at the Western States training camp with me. Uh, oh, wow. So, like, in person, right? I've talked to Hayden Hawks on the phone and Matt Daniels and some of the other, like, men and women um, that have also qualified for Western States. But to see them in person, I'm staying with um, Matt Daniels and Drew Holman, who won Bandera the year before me. We have a house together. It's just going to be awesome to start forming those bonds with people in the trail running community. Yeah. Um, I definitely did that a lot with the road running community. Um, as I went to marathons and U S championships all over the place, uh, the last five years, but to start doing that with the trail running people is going to be amazing. And yeah. it's probably just a, a good precursor for the actual Western States weekend and lead up, you know, week leading up to that. Cause I've seen the videos of what it looks like when everybody's at, um, olympic valley just hugging yeah. each other it's like it's like a reunion of sorts and then we all celebrate with 100 miles in one day right yeah it's uh, i can't imagine what like as intense as the actual day seems like it is and you know just exciting and all the energy around it i can imagine that the training camp is even more tight-knit because it's like only the people there you know, well, I guess not necessarily, but it's like the people there that are going to be running it and it's, there's not all the fanfare around the training camp. So it's a little more intimate. It seems like at least. Um, yeah. You know, we'll cool. see, cause there's supposed to be 500, I think they cap it at 500 people for the training camp. And you know, there's only like 360 something that actually get into the race. So there's right. quite a few people that come to it that are not running it that year. Um, there's probably some locals that maybe sign up for it every year and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to do, um, the last 70 miles of the course over three days. So I'm going to do a little over about 50 K the first day, um, from, oh man, it, I think it goes from forest Hill down to, uh, don't quote me on that. It actually goes to forest <laughs> Hill and ends, ends at forest Hill around hundred K. Yeah. Uh, but basically 50 K and then 20 miles and 20 miles to end at, uh, in Auburn, uh, on the track where the, where the race day will end. So it's just gonna be really cool to actually envision what I'm going to see out there. Um, be able to like understand what the type of trail is. I've heard it's really runnable, which will be a welcome change from San Antonio and Texas trails, which are just 
rocky beyond belief and very yeah. technical. Um, I'm actually trying to figure out if, if I, because I mean, now that I'm sponsored by Nike, I have access to all of their shoes to wear on race day. Like, do I need a trail shoe or could I go really light and nimble and wear like a, a road performance shoe out there on the buffed out trails? So we'll have you that. ever have you ever talked to uh, uh, Chris Mako? Have you ever met him? I, I have not, but I've seen many of his YouTube videos. I think he ran a, didn't he run states in a, a Nike road shoe when he was with Nike? I, I don't quote me on that, but I feel like that was a thing. I feel like I remember that he ran um, in like a Pegasus or something. I don't know, something weird. So like yeah. several years ago, but. I'll I'll have to ask him. Um, the shoe I've been weighing wearing out there is the Nike Pegasus Turbo Two, which that's is a actually great a shoe. It's a shoe that's been discontinued, but it's yeah. like the low the low profile of a Pegasus, but it uses the Zoom X foam yeah. of the Super Shoes. Right. That was my that was one of my favorite shoes for a long time, and I got it up to 500 miles, and I had to cut ties with it. <laughs> oh man! But, uh, so that's a good yeah. choice. That that's the one I'm kind of potentially looking at, but to be honest with you, if if it make if it is possible to wear a uh, va- a Vaporfly next percent out there, d- watch out! I might actually do it because um, honestly, the 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 pounding that it will save my legs on the downhills could be worth having that extra stack height and maybe a little more instability. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna have to measure like how much instability. Cause if I roll, if you roll your ankle in one of those things, you're done for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. And I'm sure that would cause a lot of conversation. <laughs> oh, man, if you took a, yeah, a carbon plate, a road shoot of the trails, you probably get some hecklers on a Letron message board or a mutt so- running message board. <laughs> So yeah, right. So how do you feel about um going like going into you know, cuz we're what 4 weeks out. Is that right? 4 weeks out. 4 and a half. Uh, yeah. 4 and a half. Yeah. How do you feel going into it uh in comparison to like how you felt going into Bandera specifically with like the idea of the terrain and things like that. I was actually talking to one of your athletes this morning uh that ran with me and we were saying how like, you know, there was a lot of you had a lot of time out, to, you know, in Bandera to, to practice and to run the course. Um, and obviously that's a big confidence booster. Do you, do you feel like any hesitancy, hesitancy going into Western States because you don't have that same, uh, capability or is it kind of like you've studied it enough and you're going to go out for this training, you know, and you, and you feel pretty confident either way. That's you a know, loaded question, I know. No, no, no. It, it's it's a pretty fascinating question because I don't really have the option unless I could get my like Lacey and Maverick, my wife and kid, out to California and just spend time on the course for like a few weeks. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it's just not in the cards for me right now to do like a training camp style deal where I know Hayden Hawks was just in Flagstaff doing some work in the Grand Canyon and running with a great group of trail elite guys yeah. down there. Um. But that just that just wasn't in the cards for me this time around. So I'm not freaking out about it because it's it's just not something that was possible. Right. Uh, at the same time, I'm trusting my coach, David Roche, that the preparation he is having me do will have me ready on race day, regardless of if I'm training on the course or can get on the exact type of trails that I will see there. And yeah. really, the way I look at it is, like, 
over these la- next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a crap ton of vert, uh, meaning just like climbing up and taking some really steep descents just to really beat up the legs and get used to climbing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's going to best prepare me and give me confidence that I can handle 18,000 feet of climbing and 21,000 feet of descent uh, over yeah. 100 miles on race day. What was the total of climbing for Bandera by the end? Bandera, it was a little over 7,000. Yeah. So you're so, going 40 miles more and um, – or 38 <laughs> miles more. Yeah. I always like to look at it in terms of, like, uh, climb and descent per mile, like, on average. And so yeah. Western States, it's 100 miles, so the numbers are easy. It's, like, 180 up per mile and about 210 down per mile. That's the average uh, which is a lot. And Bandera, I think that came out to more like, uh, that was like just over a hundred up and down per mile. So right. you're looking at nearly two X, but also realize that Bandera had a lot of flat sections that there was like, I shouldn't say a lot, probably a third of the Bandera course. There's like no climbing. You're just running through a prairie or on a flat yeah. trail. Um, Western States doesn't have quite as much of that from what I've seen. Yeah. Well, that's going to be an exciting, <laughs> exciting shift uh, from San Antonio trails and from what we have here. So uh, I know it's I know you're probably eager to get out there. I'm eager for the weather out there, too. Like that's true. Uh, for, it's gotten hot here. <laughs> it has gotten hot and muggy. Oh, my gosh. The rain. And we're not going to get into local weather too much on this yeah. podcast. We all we all get enough of that when we talk to somebody on the phone we haven't talked to in a while. Like, oh, how's the weather there? Right. But in in Texas, we've just gotten abnormal amount of rain the last like four weeks, and it's like flooded the trails. It's been constantly muddy, and now it's just really muggy. In addition to being like you know six a.m. and it's seventy seven degrees already. Yeah. Um. So I think it, out there on the course, I mean, there'll be. I'll be running in like 50 and 60 degree weather, at least for part of it. And then towards the end, as we get closer to uh, the end of the course, actually, I think it is going to get up into the eighties and nineties, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a dry heat, which is much different than the humidity we've been facing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting and a a fun adventure, I'm sure. So, Uh, but what else is going on? I know we're, uh, we're, we're working against the clock here, for your flight, but what else is going on in the running world right now that's got your attention? Uh, there's been a lot that's happened in the last few weeks. Man, there's so much stuff I feel like we could chat about. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the Tin Man Elite saga died down. I would have loved to hear even more details, uh, yeah. but <laughs> I'm just we're waiting on more word to come out from that. I don't think Tin Man Elite, the training group, actually released like a definitive statement on it beyond like we wish Coach. Uh, tin man well but yeah we'll see what happens there but no some of the bigger things i've seen that would be fun to get your take on are number one the the united states olympic olympic track trials are actually coming up and so there's been a lot of track racing going on that's been in the news and it's been cool to see some people having breakthroughs some people well it's not cool to see people struggling but see others like maybe not living up to the expectations they had coming into the season. Yeah. Um the UTMB Ironman partnership that kind of shook up the trail world um recently. Yeah. And then w- one that I found particularly interesting was Colleen Quigley signing with Lululemon as her mm-hmm. primary sponsor after leaving Nike and the Bowerman Track Club, which took a lot of people by surprise, right? But yeah. then 
I mean, she's she's been on a few podcasts herself where she's talked about why she made that decision. And it makes a lot of sense in my mind um, after hearing her reasoning for moving on and kind of charting her own path. So if you sign with a company like Lululemon or like a rabbit, for instance, an apparel company, do you just have open reign on whatever shoes you want to wear? That's how it works, yeah. Unless that company makes shoes, right? I think Lululemon does make uh, shoes that are more casual. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I, I'm pretty sure I saw that, though. But she she will not be running or racing in Lululemon shoes. I can guarantee you that. Right. So typically I'm, I can't how- wait for the drop of Lululemon's carbon-plated shoe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be <laughs> sick. There would be so many people lining up for that $1,200 <laughs> shoe right uh but no how it typically works is that she signed with lululemon i bet you they gave her a budget to spend on shoes or gear that lululemon does not manufacture and uh she'll be using that to purchase whatever additional equipment she needs in addition to the clothing uh that lululemon provides her yeah that's crazy it's it's just interesting now i will say uh I'm not an expert in Lululemon, but I bought a pair of their shorts not too long ago that have ended up being the best shorts that I've ever, (laughs) that I've ever owned. So, Hey, I mean, their, their clothing is comfortable. I have a bear run crew put out a Lululemon shirt. Uh, and I, I have that and it's one of my favorite shirts. So kudos, uh, for that move because it's quality gear and it's, uh, definitely an interesting, um, an interesting move going from like a Nike to, Lulu. Yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest thing in the podcast that I took away that I listened to her, it was specifically, if you want to go check it out, Sidious Mag, Chris Chavez did an awesome podcast interview with her. Uh, I think it was like in the 35 to 40 minute range. Um, And they were in person in New York talking about it. But she felt very restricted by what Nike put on her as far as... um, like she wanted to like do more connections to fans via braid pop-ups in like Nike stores and wanted to be a little more active socially. And she felt a little restricted in that way. And that was part of the reason for moving on Um, as well as just like being able to utilize, you know, a new coach train wherever she wants um, do training that's specifically meant for her rather than a group of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So It'll be interesting to see. She's definitely taking more of an entrepreneurial mindset as opposed to a lot of elite professional road and track runners now that it seems like everybody gets herded into like a group, right? Northern Arizona elite on athletic club, Bowerman track club, former Nike Oregon project. Um, That seems to be where a lot of the best athletes end up, but she wants to do something different. So it'll, it'll be really cool to see how she does at the Olympic trials in the steeplechase. Um, and her decision is not, you know, however she performs at the Olympic trials, whether she makes the Olympic team or not, is not indicative of, like, this decision that she made. It's one race, right? Nobody should ever be judged by one moment in their lives or one performance. Right. Um, but it's the first one, so it'll set the tone for the rest of her career. She moves down this new trajectory. Yeah. So then you also mentioned uh, the trials coming up in track and field. Now, I'll be honest, I am I'm a newbie into following track and field. Like when I started running, I kind of went straight to being interested in the marathon and beyond. And really, I'm probably more of a fan than anything of ultra ultra running as a fan. You know, I haven't done as many as I've done marathons, but 
I'm more of a fan of that, but I, you know, I like the marathons. I like the longer distance, but I've recently got into track and field in part to the, the aforementioned, uh, um, uh, uh, Sidious Mag and, um, Chris Chavez and all of his, you know, the work that he's done. I got really excited about his race last weekend with Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> I know it's already been hyped up a lot and there's a lot of uh, talk about it, but it was fun to watch because I like Malcolm Gladwell as an author. But uh, what do you see happening in the track and field as, as it pertains to the trials? Uh, I know Noah Lyles just ran 1890 in 200. Um, like, I, I, well, that was that was uh, late last year, I think. And so he's obviously a big name. And then he just had another race. Uh, I think that he actually got beat by Isaiah Young in 100 meters on a like a road 100 meter uh, sprint. But um, maybe it wasn't road. But anyway, uh, what do you see happening in the in the track and field world? Yeah, I think the meet you're referring to is the Boston Boost Games, and it was yes. a it was a it was a road track meet where they lo- laid down a track surface on a road in on Boston, road. Okay. and they they ran like a, a 200 meter straightaway of track. Yeah, so pretty pretty interesting format there. But oh my gosh, like how much time do we have to talk about right. track and field and the trials? And it's just the ultimate drama. It's winner go home. You know, when you get to the Olympic trials, top three make it. Especially the United States is so deep. Many other yeah. countries, like, they might have, like, one athlete who's hit the Olympic standard, which is a, you have to run fast enough or achieve a mark in a field event uh, that is competitive enough to get you to the Olympic Games. And if you yeah. don't have that mark, you don't get to go to the Olympics unless right. you have – it's convoluted. You could also have a really high world ranking based on, like, performances and not have the mark, but – most of the time you have to have the Olympic standard in the U S there's tons of athletes that have the Olympic standard in like all, all of the events. So it's just, you know, it's like, for me, I look at it like every event is like a game seven of the NBA finals or yeah. the Super Bowl. It's like one race. It's the ultimate drama. And you see it like the person who finishes third place, ultimate exultation. They are just yeah. like their life life's work has come to fruition the person who finishes fourth crumpled heap on the ground crying and, you know the difference might only be like a fraction of a second right um so i know some of the events i'm looking forward to just off the top of my head both the 800 meter for men and women um i went to texas a&m university so uh donovan brazier and uh yeah a thing mo uh, have been crushing it lately so really excited to see both of them get after it um, the 1500 and Matt Centrowitz, he's coming on at the right time. Yeah. But then it's, it's really open after him as to who in the U S will kind of take the reign for that second and third spot. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's just like 10 to 20 storylines of all these individual athletes in all these events. And of course I'm partial to the distance races, right. but I'm also a fan of anyone who's competitive and can put on a show. So, I mean, some of the best performances I've ever seen are like pole vault and high jump, uh, people just going mono and mono in those events yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah uh, I, I was i was entertained by uh nick simmons the former olympian who has a pop, very popular youtube channel just recently put on the nick simmons classic where he was releasing a video every week of track and field events and for the first time he did long jump and shock put um and it was it was just fun to watch track and field is, is fun all around you know so uh but some of these shorter distances and these guys that are just blazing fast uh it's it's getting fun to watch for me i used to 
get really bored with a 10 second race, but it's crazy how, uh, how just a fraction of a second can change someone's life. Literally. Yeah. Well, think about this too. I I'm definitely a fan of the ultra running myself, but there's times when you're watching someone power hike up three of 3000 foot incline that you're like, well, maybe I can come back in about 30 minutes and see what's right. happening. <laughs> but with some of these races, I mean, yeah, 10 seconds to 30 minutes max, you get all the drama of an entire yeah. race, the start, the middle, especially the end. Uh, so would highly encourage everyone out there. If, you know, if you have time, I believe it's the same weekend as Western States actually yeah, to uh, check, check out the Olympic track trials. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So there's all kinds of, uh, you know, just great things going on in the world of running. It's a good, good time to be a fan. And, uh, I know you're excited about what's coming for you. We're all excited about following Western States. Um, so that's coming up. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a really good time. Definitely. And so, uh, we appreciate you all joining us for this catch up episode and, uh, it's been nice chatting and, and just catching up. We're going to get back to some more guests very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, follow us over on Instagram, Ryan Miller 34 and tempo talks, Aaron, uh, let us know how your training is going. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, and yeah, until next time, we look forward to talking to you again soon. Love you all. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.